Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Grace uh, family, happy Thanksgiving. It's coming up. It's upon us uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, I know some of y'all are looking forward to football, right? Some folks may be looking forward to the parade. But let's be honest, how many of us are looking forward to dinner? Yeah, a lot of us. I don't mean the preparation. I just mean eating the dinner. Like, I know, some of us don't look forward to preparation, but eating the dinner. I mean, there's some good stuff ahead of us, folks, right? You got your turkey. Uh, whether, uh, I don't know whether you brine it, that's what we do, or whether you fry it or whether you smoke it. However you do your turkey, we love our turkey, and you got mashed potatoes, and you got sweet potatoes, and you got uh, stuffing, and you got gravy, and you got creamed corn, and you got green bean casserole, and you got homemade cranberry. <sighs> Anybody hungry? And then you got the, the canned cranberry, too, because there's always one person, isn't there, who prefers the canned cranberry? I don't get that, but there's always one. <laughs> there's somebody. All right. And we eat till we're full, right? And if at over full, right? And we're done. We're absolutely done. If this was any other dinner, that'd be it. If this was any other day, it'd be over. But this is Thanksgiving, so even though we're full, right? Am I right? The best part is yet to come, right? There's pumpkin pie or pumpkin cheesecake or some kind of pumpkin dessert, right? Now, apple pie, all right. Yeah. I go for the pumpkin stuff. It's Thanksgiving. Y'all are wondering what this has to do with John. Listen, this comparison is going to fall apart real quick, but stick with me here. <laughs> Last week, we were in John chapter 19. And if you were with us, we were at the end of John chapter 19, and you know how it ended? It ended with Jesus Christ dead in the tomb. Now listen here. If this was any other biography, if this was anybody else's life. If this was anybody else's story, it's over. It's done. And we got to move on to something else. But this isn't any other story. This is the story of Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't end in a tomb. Amen? The best is yet to come. And let me tell you, it's a whole lot better than pumpkin dessert, right? <laughs> Doesn't even compare. Jesus Christ is going to rise from the dead. He has. The best is yet to come. And let me tell you why it's really good this morning, too, because his story didn't end in a tomb. It means yours doesn't either. It means whatever story you're living right now, it's not over, Okay. All right, this is where we're going this morning. John chapter 20. You can open your word uh, with me or just uh, follow along. The words will also be on the screen. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Well, it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and she's the very first one 
to see evidence that he's risen from the dead. So what does she do? She ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, who, the one whom Jesus loved. And, and, and we're all pretty sure, scholars are pretty sure that this is referring to John, the one who wrote this gospel. He seems to refer to himself a lot like this throughout the gospel. She went to Peter and to John and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So listen, get this. She's the first one on the, maybe the greatest day in the history of the world. She's the first one to see evidence of the greatest news ever that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And she doesn't get it. She, she says they've, they've taken away the body. We don't know where they've put him. So listen this morning, though. Let, let's not be too hard on her because we, here's what I think we've got to remember. She's been living in a story this week. And it's not a good story. It was a good story for her. Way back when, we're, we're told in another gospel that Mary Magdalene started out with a horrific story that turned great. She started out uh, being possessed by seven demons. Imagine the horror and the terror of her life and the effect that had on her life for maybe years. And then she met Jesus Christ and he set her free. He set her free from all of that, and, he, and she became one of his close followers. And as she followed him, she, she learned that God didn't leave her alone in, in her mess. God pursued her, and she learned how Jesus was, was bread that can satisfy her, and how Jesus was a shepherd who could care, care for her and protect her and hold on to her. And, and she learned how Jesus was a vine that could give her life. So it was a really good story until this week, and now he's He's dead. And this week has been another horrific story for her. He's dead, and, and whose fault is it? It's the Romans' fault, and it's the Jewish leader's fault? Because all they've done all week is they've taken. They, they, they've taken Jesus' ministry when they locked him up. They've taken his reputation when they tried him as a criminal. They've taken his words, and they've twisted him during the, during the trials. They've taken his, his miracles because now he's... he's Locked up, and it doesn't seem like he's doing any miracles right now. This is a man from God who performed miracles. And yet he's, he's heading for a cross. And then they took his life. And, and, and all week she's been living a story of they've taken, they've taken, they've taken. And we don't know. Why is this man, this one sent from God, who could raise the dead, who could heal so many, why is he being tortured and put on a cross and lying in a tomb now? And we don't know what's going to happen. And all week she's been living out a story of they have taken and we don't know. They take and they take and they take and we don't know and we don't know and we don't know. And so she comes on this morning while it's still dark. And I think she sees the stone rolled away. And instead of seeing evidence that Jesus rose again, she sees evidence that this story is just keeping continuing. They've taken, and we don't know, just like they have all week. And I wonder this morning how many of us are stuck in a story. How many of us are stuck in a story in our own lives? Maybe it's a story of they have taken. Maybe some of you are in relationships that are broken, with family, or with people you used to call friends and 
Maybe there's betrayal that went on or abuse that was going on or something, just, just things that need forgiven that they're not even asking for forgiveness for. And it's taken your time and it's taken your energy and it's taken your self-respect and it's taken, it's taken so many things. And, and you've been living in this story of they have taken. Or, or maybe you've been living in a story of we don't know. Like the future is just so uncertain. And every day you get up and you realize again you're not in control, Right? Like you have no idea what's happening. And every day you get up and it just seems like it's another day that there's evidence that you are not in charge of your own life. And it's a mess. And we don't know what's going to happen. And it is so scary. Or, or maybe you're stuck in another story. Maybe you're, you're stuck in, in a, a story this morning. Maybe you're stuck in a story this morning that goes like this. I need this. Whatever it is, I need this. I can't live without this. And you've been running to something or someone besides Jesus Christ to fill you up and you know it doesn't fill you up and you feel ashamed that you keep running there. But you can't help yourself because your story that you just keep living in is I need this. And you're living for the next high or the next hit or the next, the next whatever. And we run to so many things and we're stuck inside this story and it's never going to change. It feels like it's never going to change. Or maybe your second side of story comparison this morning. And you get up and it's just another reminder. Everywhere you look is another reminder that you're not enough. You're not good enough. No matter how hard you try, you never get enough done. And whatever you do, it's not enough. And everybody else seems to get, have it together besides you. And you're stuck in the story of comparison. So you wake up and today's just another evidence that, that you're not good enough. Or, or maybe your story isn't that bad. But you're still stuck in it. Maybe it's just a story of, of complacency and you're like, you've, you've heard this stuff for years and you believe this stuff, you believe in Jesus Christ, but if somebody asked you what changed in your life, I don't know, I don't see any change right now. I guess it's the way it's always gonna be. So I guess I'll just, just keep going on and live my life as best I can and add Jesus into it. And maybe it's a story of complacency that looks just about as good as everybody else, but no better. See, I think Mary showed up that morning in the tomb and she was stuck inside this story she's been living and thinking it's never going to change and everywhere she looked was more evidence that this story is just going to keep going. What area of your life, I was going to ask you if, <laughs> if you're stuck in an area, what area of your life are you stuck in this story that feels like it's never going to change? And every time you get up, everywhere you look, it just seems like there's more evidence that this story is just going to keep going without change. You know what we need this morning? We need evidence of a bigger story. We need evidence of a bigger story, and that's, that evidence is what we're going to go to next. And here's, here's how John chapter 20 goes, it continues. It says, so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were running towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that John throws this in. He's just like, just so you know, I beat Peter. <laughs> And stooping to look in, John saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed." He believed what? He believed that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Why? Because he saw, what did he see? He saw a stone rolled away. He, he, saw, he saw that the soldiers had left and run. He saw the grave clothes there. And if anybody was going to come in and steal the body, why the heck would they pull the, the wrappings off the body? They wouldn't do that. The wrappings would have been hardened from the spices that Nicodemus and, and Joseph put on that we saw last week. And so if they had been taken off, they would have been ripped apart and shredded and, and spread throughout the tomb. And instead, they're, they're lying there neatly, and some of them are even folded. All this evidence only makes sense if, if Jesus rose from the dead. And, and the evidence is just going to keep going. They're going to see angels later on. They're going to see Jesus resurrected in his body. They have evidence that this happened. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And we don't get to see that evidence, but we get eyewitnesses. Can you, hear, can you hear this story this morning and hear that this is the story of somebody who was there? All these details in this gospel, and you look in other gospels, these are eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts to these events that actually happened, and we can trust these. Some people think we can't. We can trust them. Do you trust them this morning? Because there's been people throughout history for decades and centuries and, and, and really ever for the last 2,000 years, there's been skeptics who, who said, you know what, I'm going to be the one to research this. I'm going to be the one to find the evidence that Jesus Christ didn't actually rise from the dead. And there's guys like a journalist named Lee Strobel. His wife became a Christian and he said, I'm going to prove this is a mess. I'm going to prove this isn't true. And he looked at the evidence and he found he was wrong. The evidence points to Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And Josh McDowell and so many others. And if you're, you're interested in that evidence. I mean, there's a lot of great books out there. Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ, is a great one to go to. And, and there's so many others that, that show how this evidence points to this is a historical fact. Jesus rose from the dead that we can believe in. I, I'm not going to go through that evidence this morning, and here's why. Because I think there's something we might need more this morning. I, I read a survey that was released in March of this year, and it asked uh, American adults, you, adults in the U.S., what do they think about the resurrection? What do they believe about the resurrection? And you know what it found? It found that two-thirds two of U.S. adults believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually happened. Two-thirds of adults, the majority of American adults believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ historically actually happened. And you know what the researchers said? They said, we're deeply encouraged and deeply grieved by this. You know, they're deeply encouraged because they said these numbers, that's, that's, that's actually twice the amount of U.S. adults that say they attend church weekly. And so what we can look at this evidence and say, there's a whole lot more people out there that are open and would be willing to attend church if they were just invited on a more regular basis. So there's something encouraging. When was the last time? It's getting to Christmas season. Are we inviting some other folks to church? Two-thirds of U.S. adults might be open to it, more open than we think. So that's encouraging. But the, but the researchers said we're also grieved. Because if you look at their lives, if you look, let's be honest, if you look at our lives, two-thirds of American adults believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has happened, and yet it doesn't seem to have significant impact on their lives in one way or another. I don't know if that hits you like it hit me. I've lived there some days. I can get up any particular morning and say, I, 
Am I living like the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually happened and like it has impact on my life? I was struck as I read John, like the, the next line, I love this line, for as yet they, didn't, they believed, but as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. I love that, that he must rise from the dead. Do you understand that this morning? We've got to ask ourselves sometimes, he must rise from the dead. I mean, I, we look at the cross and we talk about the cross and rightfully so, we talk about it a lot. We understand the cross. We understand why it had to happen. Jesus had to die to pay the penalty for our sins, to satisfy the wrath of God against the sin of all mankind. And he willingly did it and submitted, and he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins to make us right with God. So we understand the cross. Do we understand the resurrection this morning? Why must Jesus Christ have risen from the dead? On your way in, you might have seen these half sheets and, and pick some of them up. If you didn't, you can raise your hand and there's some folks who might be around. Just keep your hands up. There's some folks who might be around with this. There's a, there's a side that says evidence of a bigger story. And I want you to look at this because I'm going to go through these really quick. But I want you to have these to take home and meditate on because the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters. Why? Do you know what the resurrection does? The resurrection, I'll tell you when we get to the next slide. The resurrection of Jesus, uh, advance to the next slide, I guess. <laughs> I lost my power. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at, look at this from Romans chapter 1. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God. See, if the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus is just some other teacher with some good stuff to say. He's just some other martyr whose death is unfortunate but doesn't mean much. But because he rose from the dead, it's proof that he is the Son of God and his death actually pays for our sins. It means all that we know it to mean because of his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that Jesus is the standard of righteousness. From Acts chapter 17, it says this, God will judge the world in righteousness. By what standard? By a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to us, all of us, by raising him from the dead. See, Jesus Christ, the fact that he rose from the dead proves that Jesus is the standard by which all mankind will be judged. If you want to be defined as righteous before God, Jesus Christ is the standard. If you've been paying attention at all, that should scare us. Because that's a standard none of us can live up to. And if you're trying to live up to that standard on your own, you're toast. We're done for. And yet, that's why the resurrection of Jesus Christ means more, right? So the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you are in Jesus Christ, you know what the resurrection means? It declares us righteous in the sight of God. Romans 4 says this, Jesus Christ was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. It's because Jesus rose from the dead that we are made right in the sight of God. And then the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows God's approval over Christ's finished work of redemption. Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. How do we know it satisfied the wrath of God? How do we know that it satisfied 
the penalty of sin. We know because of the resurrection. The resurrection is like the, God's seal of approval on Jesus Christ. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, raised him up, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, and better than that, it's not just God's approval of Christ. It, it shows us that God's approval extends to us when we trust in Christ. And so that just like Christ was raised up from the dead, look at this, but God being rich in mercy again, he's so rich in mercy, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we know the approval of God can extend to us if we're in Jesus Christ. And then the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us new birth and new hope. If you're in Jesus Christ this morning, he has caused you to be born again. If you're in Jesus Christ this morning, that's in your past. He's caused you to be born again. To what? To a living hope in your future through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And do you know what that means for today? It means that he gives us new life to walk in today. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life today. And then than this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees and is the pattern for our resurrection. Do you know how, how we can trust that there is a life after this life? And that if we are in Jesus Christ, we will be raised again to a life beyond this one? We can look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul calls them the first fruits. And just like Christ was raised up from the dead, so we shall be raised up from the dead. It says, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Christ the first fruits. And at his coming, all those who belong to Christ. So, so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee and it's the pattern for our own resurrection. And, and finally, I want to offer this to you. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a basis for belief outside our own story. Gives us basis for belief outside our own story. So now we're back to Mary and the story that she was living in and us and the stories that we get stuck in. Because there's a time, if it's not now, there's going to be a time in your life where your story is a story that you're stuck in and all the evidence that you look around, around at in your life, the circumstantial evidence shows you that God's not good and that he's not with you and that he's not pursuing you and that they have taken and that we don't know or whatever your story is and it's never going to change and that's the evidence you get up to day after day after day and you know what we need we need evidence outside our own story we need evidence outside our own story we need evidence from the story of jesus christ from the events of his life and resurrection listen to this this is a new testament scholar george ladd he says this about christianity Listen close. The uniqueness of the scandal of the Christian religion rests on the mediation of revelation through historical events. What's he saying? He's saying God revealed himself, not just in some esoteric way, not just in visions and dreams, but through actual historical events like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And he goes on, Christianity is not just a code for living or a philosophy of religion. It is rooted in real events of history. To some people, this is scandalous. Because it means that the truth of Christianity is inexplicably bound up with the truth of certain historical facts. And if those facts should be disproved, Christianity would be false. This, however, listen, this, however, is what makes Christianity unique. It's what makes it unique. Unlike other world religions, modern man has a means of actually verifying Christianity's truth by historical evidence. Do you see? Do you know how how we know this is true? You don't have to look at the circumstantial evidence of your own life. You can look to history. This happened. And we need that. Because at some point in our life, we're not going to be able to trust our own story. We're going to look at our own story, and it's going to tell us a whole bunch of lies. Like God hasn't pursued us, and he's left us alone, and he's not answering And he's not going to change the story that we're living in. And when we can't trust our story, see, we can trust this one. We can trust this one. Do you trust this one this morning? Do you trust this one? See, we need evidence outside our own story. And that's, that's what Mary goes for. Look at this. Then the disciples went back to their homes. John and Peter go back to their homes. Why? They got what they need. They believe, they've seen, and they've believed. But Mary stood, weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Look at this. She she sees the stone rolled away, and it's just evidence that they've taken and that we don't know. And she doesn't see it the way the disciples saw it. She doesn't believe the way they did. And so she could have wandered off home. What would have happened if she wandered off home? But Mary doesn't wander off home. She stands. She stands firm. Even though she doesn't know, even though all she sees ahead of her is the same story she saw behind her, she stands right here in the place where others have seen evidence. And she says, I'm going to stay right here until something changes. I'm, I'm planted right here and I'm not going anywhere else until something changes. Do we stand like that? When we're stuck in our stories, if you're in a season now or if you've been in a season where you just open God's word and it's, man, there's just seasons where it just looks like words on a page, isn't it? Like this is coming to life for other people and it's not coming to life for me. I don't see what other people see in this. And I don't know about you in those seasons and those times, I'm like, well, what 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 good is going here? I'm just gonna go somewhere else. Somewhere else that could make me feel better. Somewhere else that could tell me a different story. Mary stands, even when she doesn't have an answer, and looks where others have seen evidence before her. When you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and there just doesn't seem an answer, and it seems like your prayers are just bouncing back off the ceiling, and there, is there a God who hears, and you wonder, is anything going to change? Do we stay there? Are we as brave as Mary? Are we as courageous as Mary? Are we as stubborn as Mary to just stand there? Even though I don't have an answer yet, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to keep coming back because this is where millions before me have found hope and peace and life. And even if I haven't found, I'm going to keep standing here because there's nowhere else to go. Do we stand like Mary stands? Folks, this is something we don't have to do by ourselves. 
Like it's not just a personal time sitting in a chair. You can do this with each other. We can do this with each other. When we're stuck in our story, do we go and talk to brothers or sisters in Christ who've been where we've been and, and who God has spoken into their story and do we listen to what they're saying? Do we, do we go and sit with other brothers and sisters who are stuck the same way we're stuck? And not just to be honest about our stories. This, and, and, and through that, see, God speaks through his word, through his spirit, and through his people. So are we standing with God's people, even in the areas that we're stuck in our stories? This past week, we were gathered in confessional leadership training. This is a training you've heard about. There's, there's about 90, maybe 80 or 90 people signed up for this that are going through this right now. And, and the staff of Grace, we're going through it just a little bit ahead of the other classes. And so we're in this training this week and we do, uh, uh, we're invited to just read something and then, and then to respond to it. And, and the first line of this reading just hit me so hard. And others in the room because they were honest about it. And, and, and the line said this, anxiety says much of our anxiety is a result of envisioning the future without Jesus Christ. Think about that. Much of our anxiety is envisioning the future with Jesus Christ. Do you think that was causing anxiety for Mary? After three years of following him or however many years it was following him, she now had to envision a future without Jesus Christ. But listen, as I read that, as I listened to that, it, it hit me. Because I'm in a season where I'm wrestling with anxiety and fear much more often than I have been. And, and, and I looked at them and I said, is that really true? Because I, I get up and I, I look at the events at the head of the responsibilities ahead in my family or at work or at so many areas of my life. And all I see is evidence of more things to be worried about. And I suddenly realized as I look ahead to those things, do I account for the presence of Jesus Christ in my day, in the future that I'm so worried about to you. Much of our anxiety comes from envisioning a future without the presence and person of Jesus Christ. And, and, and then we sat there and we got to just share. And it was so encouraging to hear that I wasn't alone in that. <laughs> but that others were wrestling with that too. And we got to encourage each other through that and love each other well through that wrestling. Are we standing where we know others have seen evidence that the story is going to change? Are we standing there? Because Mary stoops to look in, just like John stooped to look in the tomb. She stoops to look in and see the evidence that he saw. And it doesn't say she saw grave clothes. They were probably there, but there was something else there now. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And, and we don't have time to go here much, but what John's pointing back to, he's pointing back, and any, any, his Jewish audience reading this would have, would have thought immediately of, of a significant point in Scripture where there was an angel sitting on one end and the other end of a space. And it was the Ark of the Covenant back in the Old Testament. If you've, if you've read some of the Old Testament or are familiar with it or if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's, a, there's this Ark of the Covenant in, in the tabernacle and, 
made out of gold and there was an, on the top of the ark there was an angel at one end and an angel at the other, an angel at the head and an angel at the foot and a space between. And the space represented, the, it was called the mercy seat. It represented the presence of God. And a priest could go in there once a year into the Holy of Holies and be in the very near presence of God. And so John's given us a clue here. As Mary walks into that tomb, it's like she's walking into the Holy of Holies. And the very near presence of God, do you know it's not for priests anymore? It's for weeping women and us men and women who are stuck in they have taken and are stuck in we don't know and are stuck in any of our other countless stories. Even for us now, the very near presence of God is open and available to us now. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Oh, the answer's not here yet, but heaven sees your tears. Her tears got noticed. She's stuck in a story, but she got noticed. Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my, here it is again, they have taken away and I don't know. Most people, when they see angels, they fall flat on their faces in fear. Mary's like, I don't know, she might be the only exception. I don't know, she's one of the few exceptions in scripture. She just keeps going in her story. And it, it made me wonder, how many times have I missed angels in my life, maybe? Because I'm so stuck in my story. How many times have we missed the intervention of God? Maybe through an angel unaware. Maybe through the words of a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe through the spirit of God trying to prompt our spirit. Maybe through the word of God. Or through our prayers, because I'm so stuck in my story and I've missed it. And maybe that's what's going on here for Mary, but... There's something beautiful ahead. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. See, Mary might not have been staggered by the presence of angels because she was so stuck in her story, or, or maybe it's just because they, they weren't the ones who would satisfy her. There, there was only one who was going to satisfy her, and it was the presence of Jesus Christ. It was drawing near to him. She, she was singular focused. There's no other help. There's no other fix. It's just him. It's only him. Where is he? And here's where we can be so glad, because it doesn't just stop at evidence. She encounters Jesus Christ, and Jesus said to her, Mary... And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Raboni, which means teacher. And we can look and look at the evidence that others have seen, but folks, it doesn't stop with evidence. This isn't about just a historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead means he is alive today and continues to minister to us. Scripture tells us that he's standing at the right hand of the Father and interceding on our behalf right now. So do you think you're praying about your mess? Do you think you're praying about your story that you're stuck in? He's interceding for you right now before the Father. And he's with us right now by his Spirit in us. By his Spirit in us. We're going to see that next week as he delivers the Holy Spirit upon the disciples This isn't a a historical fact that happened 2,000 years ago. This is rooted in a reality that's true for us today. Jesus Christ is alive and present with you now. It doesn't end in evidence. It ends in an encounter with Jesus Christ. And here's where that encounter goes. 
Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And this, this line of Jesus is a little confusing. It gets explained all sorts of different ways, but here's, here's what I think it means. Jesus, Mary was so happy to see Jesus. You can imagine her just clutching onto him and hugging her, him and just, just thinking in her head, I am never going to let go. And I think he's just saying to her, Mary, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm ascending the Father, but, but not yet. It's okay. You don't need to hold on too tight. And I think he's saying to her, you don't need to hold on because it's not... I'm here not just for your story. I'm here for everybody's story. See, here's the thing. When we encounter Jesus Christ, he doesn't leave us stuck in our stories. But it's not just to make our story better. It's to invite us into the real story. It's to invite us into his story. And, and, that, and that's what he does. He says, Mary, I have a job for you. It's time to be part of my story. Again. And so I have a job for you. I want you to go, go to my brother's. He says, my dear sister Mary, I want you to go to my brothers. See, at, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And here he doesn't call them friends, he calls them brothers. These guys, you Mary, you're part of the family now. Because of my finished work on the Christ, cross, because I rose again, you're part of my family, you're part of God's family, the way you were always intended to be. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father. Oh, but he's not just my father anymore, to your father. And to my God, and your God too, the God of your past, the God of your present, the God of your future, your God too, I'm ascending to them, to him. And, and Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And all the things he said to her. See, now, finally, at last, Mary's story changes. It's no longer about they have taken. It's no longer about I don't know. It's I have seen the Lord. And she encountered Jesus Christ. Where have you encountered Jesus Christ in your life? So many of us have encountered him once, but it doesn't just stop with once. It doesn't just stop with that first time that we submit and surrender our lives to him. It happens again and again and again as we encounter Jesus Christ in areas of our life where we're stuck, in areas of our story that seem like we're never, they're never going to change. We encounter Jesus Christ and he works transformation again. Where have you encountered Jesus Christ? Mary did. But this, this wasn't Mary's first time either. I already told you at one point she was, she was possessed by seven demons. And she encountered Jesus Christ and he healed her of those seven demons. And I want to show you a clip. If you looked at the other side of your sheet, you might have figured out this was coming. I want to show you a clip from the, the Chosen. We have special permission to show a clip from the, the Chosen. This is a multi-season series about the life of Jesus Christ, if you're not familiar with it. You can check it out for free online. And when we have permission to share a clip because we mentioned that, that you can just go to thechosen.tv and, and, and find out how to download the app and watch the show for free. And, and the, the, the writers and the actors and the, the, the makers of the show take the, the words and the stories of Scripture and they, they attempt to bring them to life in fresh ways for us so that we can understand the greater impact. And imagine what if with some of the stories. They imagine what if about some of, the, some of Jesus' followers. And so what I, the clip I'm going to show you is a, a, a clip of Mary, a conversation that's not from Scripture, but in the, the storyline of the show, she had been possessed by seven demons 
And at one point, Nicodemus, the Nicodemus from Scripture, gets called in to exercise those demons. And he doesn't think it works, and then he goes away, and then later on he finds out she's healed. He finds out somebody else saw her, and she's healed, and he thinks, oh, it must have worked. I've got to go back and figure out what I did, and he's going to get a shocker that it wasn't him. It was somebody else that healed Mary. And let's just listen in on the conversation as he encounters Mary and asks her about her being healed. So many times we encounter Jesus Christ once or twice or a dozen or a hundred times in our lives and we encounter him and he changes our story and we don't know how to tell it. Do you hear how simple it is to tell of an encounter with Jesus Christ? I, I put Mary's quote on the back of your sheet. I was one way and I've left some blanks and I want us to consider for just a moment this morning, even if you're stuck in one story, how has he changed your story into his story in the past in your life? At what point in your life were you one way? And there's some space to write that down. What I was before encountering him for the first time or in some area of my life. And now I am completely different. And here's how I changed. And the only explanation, the only thing that was in between was him. I'd like to invite us just for a moment. We don't spend enough time doing this, folks. I'd like to, like to invite us just for a moment to consider this in our own lives. Where have you encountered Jesus Christ? How has he changed your story into his story? And we're going to gather back together and worship in response in just a moment. But let's just take a few moments with this sheet prayerfully before the Lord and invite the Lord to remind us of ways we've encountered him and he's changed our story into his story. And then we're going to come back together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your encounters with us. I thank you for the way you encountered me so many times this week and so many of us. I thank you for this encounter with Mary that we get to read about and learn from God and learn how you change our stories, but more than that, how you invite us into your story, Lord, and how you have worked a complete transformation. Oh, God, it's not complete yet. There's still areas we're stuck. There's still areas we think it's never going to change. God, remind us of ways you have changed us so that we might be reminded again that you continue your change in us. We invite these back to our memory now, Lord. Bring to them to our attention so that we might respond to you with praise. Family, let's just take a few moments, moments before the Lord together and invite him to remind us of these times. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.